0: to be singing God's praises doesn't it just lifts your spirit to worship the Lord happy new year it's great to see you in God's house today and we've come to worship the Lord and thank you for being here with us this morning I know God's gonna bless us in our services we had wonderful response in the early service I heard the music when I came in and I thought that is the most beautiful sound to come in and hear that music going all through the church And then we had the Sunday school hour and we had such a wonderful lesson of studying about how the Lord is uh, able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And we studied about how that word abundantly means so many things and how God is more than enough. Do you believe that for yourself and for the future and for this year? Our God is more than enough to lead us through this coming year if Jesus tarries. Thank you for being here today to study and worship. Tonight we're having our a wonderful communion service, family communion. You may bring the, your family with you, and we have the tables all around the front here, and the, all the staff will be there with the pastor and different ones serving you communion. You don't have to be here at a certain time. It's from 6 until 8, so you can come at your, at your discretion and bring your family, and someone will be here to bring you up and sit and bring you to a table and be served by some of us as we uh, wait on you for the communion service. So that will be a precious way to start our new year. We do this every year, and it's wonderful. So come tonight to our wonderful communion service, and let's start the new year off right. I hope you read the Bible through this year. A lot of you did, and we are running the papers. We don't have them ready today. That's my fault. So we'll have them ready for you next week to show how to keep up with where you are reading the Scriptures through. We like to encourage people to read the Bible through. You don't have to to be saved or make it to heaven, but it'll sure help you get there a lot easier if you keep putting the Word of God in your spirit man every day. So have a plan. If you don't like that plan, you can plan your own and read the Word at God's discretion, at your discretion. So please remember that this week is normal week here at... Stratford Heights, and uh, we will be having our prayer meeting on Friday morning. We come here from 11 to 12 every Friday to pray in the sanctuary. You're invited to come. We just come in and pray, have a devotion and pray. And if you'd like to join us, you're welcome to or just set a time at home and pray from 11 to 12. That's a good hour for our church to be at prayer every Friday morning from 11 to 12, so you can do that. All right, now it's time to greet one another. Look around. Do you see anybody new this morning close to you? All these good-looking people? Surely uh, you you can uh, shake hands with them and greet them. So let's do that. Find someone that you don't know and shake hands and say, Welcome to Stratford Heights. God bless you, and Happy New Year.
1: Amen. Who's been born again? Amen. God is good. God is good. God is so faithful and so wonderful. Well, we've come through another year and we are looking ahead to 2016. Oh, here we go.
2: How many of you are born again? I mean, you've been redeemed. You've been bought with a price. Calvary has paid for your eternity, and you are ready to go. If the Lord comes right now, you got rapture in your feet. You're ready to go. How many are ready? We ain't done. Come on, give us some more of that. Let
3: me tell you about Oh, No!
2: freedom and liberty and deliverance. I've been set free. I haven't come to church to see you. I've come to praise
4: His holy name. Hallelujah.
2: Praise God. Somebody says, The Bible talks about David. It said David danced before the Lord with all of his might. That didn't mean he just gave a cute little nod. He danced before the Lord with all of his might. All throughout Scripture you find places where the children of God were so moved by the power of God in their lives. I don't know how the creator of the universe, the one who made the stars and the planets and put it all out there and mixed it all up and made it run so perfectly. I don't know how that God can be down inside of you. That huge, massive, big God who made it all has chosen to live down inside of you. I've seen on television the power of Nitro. Nitro Nitro-glycerin. Remember Gilligan's island? Gilligan found a little bottle of nitro, and it was massive. I mean, one little drop, and They were scared to death the island was going to blow up. Now, I don't know how factual that was, but I know this. It was amazing how something so tiny could be so powerful or something so big Be so small. We're praising God in this house this morning. He's bigger than any problem. He's bigger than any mountain. He's bigger than any trial or trouble you'll ever go through. And yet he is small enough to come right down in the middle of your hurt and touch you right where you live. That gives me something to dance for. That gives me something to shout about. Gives me something to be excited about. I watched New Year's Eve as they got out there and the ball was dropping and I was videoing on my phone and I was all into it. Happy New Year! And everybody's dancing and screaming and ripping their shirt off, guys were, and they're they're dancing all around. Got them funny hats on and all them big old glasses and they're blowing on their machines and making all kinds of screaming noises kissing one another. All because it was a new year. New year. But can I just add this? A.D. 2016. A.D. They didn't realize they were celebrating In honoring the date 2016 which is a after Christ was born calendar update. You and I come into God's house this morning. Sometimes the world will confuse our theology. Sometimes the world will try to dampen down our praise. Thank you for being so excited that you ran across the front here. The Bible talks about runners. He didn't do that to be seen. Brother McLaughlin used to do that. You'd hear him at the back of the sanctuary, and he'd go, woo! and then we knew it. He'd take one lap, then he'd come back, and he'd, woo! and he'd take another lap. And I'm telling you, everywhere he'd walk, the power of God would sell people out in the, spe- in the pews. They'd, they'd be out in the aisles. They couldn't, hardly, they couldn't contain themselves. I remember old brother man. I thought about that when you were singing, Kathy. He, about halfway through that first verse, he'd have been halfway down here to the front, and then he always grabbed me around the neck, wanted to dance with me. You see, God reached way down into my life, and he turned me upside down. He changed me. I was mean, I would, had an attitude, I, didn't, I was rebellious, didn't want to honor my mother and my father. I was living a life pleasing myself, doing whatever I wanted to do. And God came down into my life when I knew I needed him and changed everything. He washed me, cleansed me, gave me a new heart, a new way of thinking, turned me upside down. I couldn't. I, I hugged and loved everybody when I got saved. That's what we celebrate here today. Happy New Year. Happy New Year in Jesus. And I want you to know you've stumbled upon the church this morning that it's all right if we dance and it's all right if we shout. It's all right if you just stand there. It's all right if you take it in and, man, you're, you, you, you get excited like this. That's beautiful. If maybe your foot just goes a little bit. That's all right. You're welcome here. You're praising God as good as anybody. But when you look over and you see somebody take a run, just look at them and wink. and Say, go on, brother. What are we so uptight over? We get excited about everything from a ball dropping in New York to a ball in a net across the court. Or we get excited if we win the lottery, we get excited over the craziest things. Ain't nothing wrong this morning of being excited about Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Glorious, my God, in him I trust. Amen. We're going to go before the Lord right now. Richard, come. I want you to pray for Israel. And then when he's done, I'm going to step forward and we're going to pray over a couple of needs that I want us as a church to pay attention to. But as he comes, I want us, as never before, it's correct and right for us to pray for Israel. As we begin, I believe with all my heart, God led us prophetically this last year to begin recognizing in every service on Sunday morning to pray for the state of Israel. I believe God is blessing our church because of it. I believe that we're in on what God is doing worldwide because of it, and God's letting us be active in ministry in this community because of it. We believe in supporting Israel. I don't know what theology or what politics you belong to. I could care less if you're Republican, Democrat, Orange or Green or Purple Party. We're here today as believers and Christians following the precious word of God. And that word says we seek the good of Israel. Richard, pray for us.
1: Let's pray over the nation of Israel. and Let's also pray pray for America. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we honor you and thank you, Lord, for the way that you've moved and worked and the way that you've brought great miracles and just great intervention in the nation of Israel, your chosen people. Lord, we thank you that you brought them through another year. And, God, we pray we start 2016, Lord, with calling on your name, that you would bless them, that you would be with them, protect their homes, their way of life, their finances. God, their military, their families. Lord, we just pray that you would wrap your arms around them, Lord, and protect this little nation. God, when it seems like everybody else is coming against her and turning their back on her, God, I know that you stand, Lord, ready and willing to move and work on her behalf. Lord, so we just pray that you would bless that nation. And God, we pray for America. God, we pray that you would touch the hearts and the lives of our people from sea to shining sea. God, that you would be right here with us and take care of us. Lord, there's people here that still call on your name. They still honor you. God, and our nation was founded on your principles We ask that you would bless us once again and bring revival in your work and your move, Lord, into all 50 states here in this nation. Lord, be with our homes and our way of life, God, and stand with us, Lord, as we stand for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: We're going to go before the Lord. If you're on Facebook at all, you understand and know that I put out a request yesterday for our former pastor, Brother Watkins. I was able to speak with him yesterday, very, very fragile, could barely speak, can barely breathe. Uh, He's now house ridden, he's not allowed to leave the house. I I promised him, and when when I said this, he started just weeping on the phone. I said, Pastor, we're going to pray for you in every service tomorrow, and we're going to get a hold. I said, hundreds of people are going to pray for you. And he just started weeping on the phone. And he said, I love you, Ray. (laughs) Words that I will cherish the rest of my life. Brother Watkins is currently under hospice care. And according to what they are saying to the family, he is in the last stages of congestive heart failure. And so I want us, as his church family, no doubt very well could be watching today. Brother Watkins, we love you. From Ohio to Mississippi there are no boundaries. Our prayers go to heaven and right back down to Jackson and Greenville. We pray that God will touch him, strengthen him, be with Sister Myrtle. Sister Myrtle needs our prayers. We're asking God to touch her. She as well was very emotional on the phone. This is a lot for her to handle and to deal with at this time. I know Brother Watkins well. I know what he discussed with me in my office when they were here at the 100 year anniversary. He told me, he said, me and the Lord have made a deal. He said, "He said when I'm done, I'm out of here. He made the statement to me that he was done. So I know he's waiting on uh, chariots of fire to come escort him into glory. But that leaves a lot of hurting hearts this morning. And it leaves a church like us who's hurting as well. I want us to pray for our former pastor. His name is Brother W.D. Watkins, if you're new to our church. He pastored here for 18 years, and he's still a spiritual father to us, and we love him. He's, able, he's been able to come a couple of times a year and be with us, and we want to pray for him right now. Would you help me to pray? Let's do that. Father, as we come before you, we as a congregation pray over Pastor Watkins. We lift him up to you today, God, and just pray for your peace, your presence, your comfort to be with him. Strengthen him today, God. I, fee- I pray that you'll give him a good day. I pray that he'll feel the strength rise up in his heart and in his body physically. We're daring and believing and praying for healing. We believe and know you're a healing God. We just ask you, Lord, your will be done. That God would give it to you today. Pray for comfort and strength for Sister Myrtle. Touch her in the name of Jesus and be with her. Let her feel the power of God right there in Greenville. Let her know your presence and your great, your great, wonderful strength. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. We thank you, Father, as we'll continue to lift them up together as their church family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Where is little Tucker Eli Steele? Is he close? Right here, Oh, front row. Well, if you're on Instagram or Facebook, you've already seen this little guy a thousand times. Dr. Small, make sure I do this right. Several years ago, she walked up to me after service, and I was kind of doing the Kunta quinte with the baby, holding them up, you know, for everybody to see with my hands out. And she came up with a smile on her face and said, perhaps you need to hold the baby a little more cradled? <laughs> Doctors. <laughs> this is little Tucker, his very first time at his home church. Would you make him welcome today? And don't get used to sleeping in church. That's unacceptable after five. Cute little guy. There you go. Oops. Well, today is the very first day in, in 2016, I started to say 1916. <laughs> that date us a little, wouldn't it? Today is the first day. You know, I, I have a little plaque in my house that says, today is the first day of the rest of your life. And I try to live by making fresh starts. This whole two weeks that the, the office has been closed, and we've been, you know, we continue to go to the hospitals and do things like that, but we actually weren't doing ho- uh, office hours. I cleaned every closet. I've been working on my basement. My brother-in-law and Micah have been helping me and James, we've been working hard on my basement. I've been trying to get things done. I've never worked so hard in my life. I'm ready to get back to work. <laughs> but uh, it's just, it's good to, to make decisions that you're gonna do things different, do things right. I've made a decision in 2016, I'm gonna be more organized than ever before. So when I walk up the aisle, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk organized. Yeah, I'm gonna look like the Lovelaces for long. If you've ever been to their house, these people are organized. But uh, this is a good time for you to make decisions concerning your giving to Stratford Heights, to your church, or wherever you go to church. But you should be givers. We don't tithe because we, you know, want to out of a good heart, or we we don't just tithe because it's a thing that we want to do or would like to do. It's actually a command in God's scripture that we... Bring our tithe into the storehouse. And so as we honor God, I've learned at 11 years old, began paying my tithe. I've always paid my tithe and I always have felt and known the blessings of God because of it. Someone says, Well, I, I can't afford to do that. Start where you are. I told somebody one time, I said, Start with $10. Start with $5. And watch God bless that $5 so you'll give 10 the next week. Or you give 10, you'll give 20 couple weeks later. God will bless everything that you trust him with. I'll say that again. God will bless everything you trust him with. So I'm asking you to to give. I'm also asking you to help your church. On the envelopes in front of your, uh, in your pew right there, there's a little place there. I want to explain what love will find a way is. Love will find a way is, is a church. It's a place where you can bless the church, and you can help us. We help 75 to 100 needy families a month, and we have some dedicated, wonderful folks who serve in our food pantry. And they, yeah, amen, that's good. I'd call Bertie's name out loud, but she tells me never to do that, so I, I won't do that. Although we're real thankful for those ladies who oversee our food pantry. We, we give. A lot of folks don't know a lot of times that we'll help families that need a water bill or, or electric bill or they've had, they need groceries and we'll make it happen. A lot of times we, people don't know that the church is regularly doing this and, and a lot of times asked from the community as well. Um, we can't always help everyone because we don't always have it. But it's important that we have always considered and prayerfully considered. Helping as many as we can. I just want to make you aware. I could probably ask, for I wouldn't dare do it, but I would ask for a show of hands of people that have been helped by the church at one time or another in your history. And a lot of folks have been in a place where they needed the church to help them. We can't always. We do what we can do. But you help us by your giving. And when you give to the Love Will Find a Way fund, you actually Put money in a benevolence area as to where we could help other people. So I want to just let you you know what that's about and what it's there for. And as you give today, give your tithe. Give to the building program. Give to World Missions. And as you give, know that God blesses every dime that you give. blesses His work and His kingdom through you and through me. So let's give today. Father, as we come to you, we start off the year right We're going to do what we can do, Father, to be a part of the solution to the problems we see around us. Lord, I want the church to be enabled and empowered to be able to help as many people as need. Lord, that only happens as your people are obedient and as they are willful givers, cheerful givers. I pray that you will bless them today. This is the one time in our service where we talk to them about their giving. I pray that you will minister in their hearts and lives, challenge those who are not yet tithe payers to trust you because it's in that trust that they'll be able to help others. Lord, I pray that you will bless and touch every gift and the givers as we together dedicate and give all we have in the name of Jesus Christ to your kingdom work. Amen.
5: Been having a lot of people come around and say, right after the first of the year, joining the choir. So I'm believing you, I'm taking you at your word. Looks like we about wore half the choir out at Christmas. They will be back. They will return. We would like to invite you to come be a part of that. We start back rehearsing Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, the 9th at 630, and you're welcome to come. If you're not sure you want to come, just come try us out. We're, we don't bite, we're friendly people most of us and so uh, I'll warn you who the guy wants to stay away from okay. bless the lord oh my soul
4: oh my soul worship his holy name sing like them sing like never before oh, sun comes up it's a new day dawn it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and Bless the Lord. Bless Bless the Lord. Your this is
5: my favorite verse right here. And on
4: that day when my strength is faint, the end draws near, and my time. I worship his holy name. Sing like never, sing like never before. Oh, my soul. I worship your holy name. I will worship, Lord. I will, I will worship, Lord. worship your holy name. I will worship. I will worship. I worship Your whole.
5: Tell you about this course. We weren't planning on doing it this morning but the last minute we decided to put it in. This this is probably 30 years old and for five years of my life, God was changing me from being a choir director or a singer. He was turning me into a And for five years, I sang this in my daily devotion. As I worship before you, Lord, Mm -hmm. I'm overwhelmed by your glory. Lord, your presence, it is real. As your mercies flow down from your throne. I remember the Lord asking me, why, why, if emotions are banished and if feelings are outlawed, (laughs) still I'll praise you, Lord. For I've been bought by your blood, and now I am worthy
4: of your own. Set me free from my religiousness. <laughs> oh. Hallelujah. Lord, I praise you. Lord, let us worship you this year in freedom, in spirit, Lord, in truth. Seems like All I could see was the struggle Haunted by ghosts that lived in my past I was bound up in shackles of all of my failures He said, you can be nothing (laughs) i was wondering how long is this gonna last oh lord then you looked at this prisoner and said to me, son stop fighting the fight that's already been won I am Cause I'm not who I used to be I am redeemed <laughs> I'm redeemed All my life I have been called unworthy name by The voice of my shame and
5: regret
4: (laughs) But when I hear you whisper Child, lift up your head I remember, oh God You're not done with me yet I am redeemed You set me free free so I'll shake off these heavy chains wipe away every stain because I'm not
5: I'm redeemed. Are you redeemed?
3: I'm
5: redeemed. Oh, I'm redeemed by the blood
4: of Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. I am redeemed. I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. I'm redeemed.
5: Hallelujah! Oh, we'll give Him praises.
2: That's what it's all about. That's why we're here today. That's why we come to God's house. Because we have been set free. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what the sacrifice is all about. The gospel of Jesus says he came to the earth. came that you and I would be set free. We could live eternity with him. How many of you are looking forward to eternity with Jesus? want you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning. The time that we have, well I just want to go a thousand directions. I'd love to just go off the cuff and just talk about what's burning in my heart. I might probably do a little bit of both. What I've prepared, you know, for a text and then we'll speak from the heart. God is up to something, he's doing something amazing. Week to week, I'm, I'm amazed. I, I, I watch as the stress around us, the stress around our culture, our world, it just gets thicker and thicker and thicker. And while the troubles around us get bigger and bigger and bigger, yet the peace that comes with that and the grace that comes with that is amazing. The way God works to protect and to preserve His work and His people. How many of you know the protection, the provision, peace of God in your life. In the midst of turmoil all around you, you sense and you know the power of God. looks a lot like it was in the days, in the Bible days of Nehemiah. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17. While you're turning there, I would announce to you, I know Liz has already mentioned it, please make effort to come tonight from 6 to 8 for family communion This is something we started several years ago. It's wonderful. Tables are set up across the congregation. Candles are lit. It's a beautiful atmosphere. And at every table are pastors waiting for you and your family or just you. Someone said something to me. They said, well, all I have to bring is me. That's my family. I said, well, that's all right. The pastor's the same way. It's okay if your family's one, if your family's 25 however that works for you, you're welcome to come this evening. We want to pray over our families for a new year. We pray blessing, we anoint them with oil, we pray over them, we pray over specific needs, and then we take communion together with just your family and a pastor. And it's just such a beautiful time. As a matter of fact, the crowd gets larger and larger every year, and we have to keep reorganizing so that we don't keep you waiting too long. We've reorganized for this year. So if you had to wait longer than you thought last year, it's okay. We've worked it out. So come tonight and be a part of this beautiful time for our church. I had one family who has fallen in love with it so much, they called me this week and they said, Pastor, we're unable as a family unit to be able to be here Sunday night, but we want this so much for our family. Is it possible for us to meet you and for us to have communion together and for you to pray over us? And I said, absolutely. And it was a wonderful time. We did it on New Year's Eve, came right down to the altar and had communion and prayed over their family, and it was a, a beautiful, special time. But I, it touched my heart as pastor because they saw the value in us praying over our families for the new year. So I encourage you to come. I believe it makes a big difference for the year with our family. Also, Wednesday night we start right back up on our study, Good or God with John Bevere. We'll be we're about halfway through that, and so you want to come and the crowd has been getting bigger and bigger on Wednesday night. We've had a wonderful crowd in the sanctuary. So we want you to come and and be here at 7 o'clock and we'll be teaching from the Good or God series. Also, today is the beginning for Little Miss and Little Master, the uh, uh, fundraiser for our nursery department. If you go out in the lobby and you look over to the left, you'll see a bunch of pictures of babies with cans. Be careful what you say. Go near them and talk about how cute they all are. But pick one or ten to bless. Because this is the greatest fundraiser for our uh, nursery department all year long. And they start today. It'll go for several weeks. And it gives you an opportunity to drop a little offering in there. Kind of your vote for who will be Little Miss or Little Master. And they'll be announced with a crown. And it's a great day, a wonderful day. And, of course, the winning family just, you know, they, they come in with parchment paper ready to make rules for the new kingdom for their king and queen. We, we love that. We want you to be a part. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. Nehemiah was a builder. How appropriate. He was a prophet. He was a minister. How appropriate. Uh, what I found is they didn't teach me at Lee University. They did not teach me how to be a builder. And so I'm learning. and I'm learning as I go. As a matter of fact, the last two weeks, Marty, I've been learning a lot. My brother-in-law, Marty, is quite, uh, quite the, uh, the carpenter, and he has been helping me uh, as we're finishing my basement. And I have officially grouted tile. <laughs> so good. Got one whole room done. I'm ready to do the bathroom, and I decided to go down to Lowe's and change it up a little bit. I'm going to get a different color. That's how much I know. been real appreciative of the help and, and the family and friends that have helped me. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17. Then I said to them, You see the distress that we're in? How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been, a, which had been good upon me and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. But when Sanballat and the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them, said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we are his servants. And we will rise and build, but you have no heritage, or right, or memorial in Jerusalem. I'm ready with these folks to tell the devil in this day. You may think you got America, you may think you got Middletown, you may think you got our family, but you better think again. we are done. We're going to rise up. The church is going to rise up. We're going to rally to the cause of Christ, and we're going to stand up and fight for every family, for every man, for every woman, for every lost son and daughter. We're going to fight this year as we never have. You think we're building buildings with mortar and brick, but we're not. We're going to build the kingdom this year. We're going to build it like we've never done it in the history of our church. Our focus is going to be on building for the kingdom of God. Let them laugh. Let them hate us. Let them despise the good things of God, but the good hand of the Lord is on us, and we are going to arise and build. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we pray over this word this morning. Will you challenge our hearts? Touch us. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit. God, we desire to please you in everything that we do. God will never want to be working our own plan. Don't ever want to be following our own blueprint God, we are part of the kingdom work. We pray that you will guide and continue to lead us as we trust in you, follow hard after you. We don't lean on the arm of the flesh, but God, we trust in you, looking not to the left or to the right, but keeping our focus on you, the prize. Touch us this morning. Challenge this great church, Lord, to be greater in its efforts to win the lost and to touch the harvest This year in 2016 than we have ever done before, in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. You can be seated. It's good to be back with you. It's good to be in church this morning. I've missed services and I know you have too. I hope you enjoyed being with your family because we're back on a normal routine and so we're going to have church around here. Somebody say amen going to have church. Nehemiah was motivated. He was inspired. He was touched. He was burdened. And he felt what I feel in my heart and many of the ministers and pastors that I know in our region, they feel. There is a sense of an urgency. Urgency. It's not just business as usual, church. It's not just a time when we're just looking for a current kind of season of revival i'm believing that we are in a very strategic prophetic hour jesus is coming very soon now i'm not talking about somebody's latest prediction and somebody's latest periscope i'm not talking about somebody's latest uh, book or video series i'm talking about the word of god that declares we are living in the last days we're living in the hours preceding the coming of the lord I believe that, and I know that God's Word teaches that. Can I tell you the day? No. Can I tell you the season? Pretty much. Yeah, we're in it. We're in it. It's time for us to be sober and alert and to not allow anything to distract us, to deceive us, or destroy us. As we are waiting, the sound of a trumpet of God as He comes for His children. Nehemiah felt an urgency. I feel and sense an urgency. Other pastors feel an urgency. You see, I feel like we are part of The the choir sings a song about thriving. And, And I like that because I've always kind of called myself a thriver instead of like just a survivor. I'm a thriver. I believe not just surviving. Surviving means you've come through a dangerous situation, a catastrophic event, and by the skin of your teeth, you barely made it out you're a survivor. But I like to consider myself a thriver. I'm somebody who is not only walking out of the caves and out of the troubles and out of the trials of life, but I'm going to walk out doing rocky. Thank you for the 10 people that at least appreciated that. I'm gonna do Rocky, man. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna come out with my arms up. I'm gonna come out stronger. I don't go in, but what I don't come out stronger. You know, these guys go to work out, and, and when they go in there, they're, they're not going in there to come out and look slimmer. They're going in there to come out, well, unless you're doing only cardio, then you want to, anyway. If they're going in there to work out with weights, they're wanting to come out looking stronger. And it's it, it tears down. You got to tear down the muscle and you got to do all its work and when you're building you're having to rip that up in order for it to grow and heal and then be strong. That's exactly where you and I are in this life. We've got to understand our trials come to make us strong. The the issues of life come along to make us stronger in him. Now we got to know in, in Israel's day during this time they had just come through Uh, the catastrophic event of being in Babylonian captivity. They always found themselves, when they were in disobedience to the Lord, they find themselves in chains of their enemies. And I found that although we're not in chains to the Egyptians or any of our other Philistines or any of the other enemies of the Old Testament, we are in chains to the underworld. And a lot of folks are, are held captive even in church, held captive by the enemy's tactics and by his schemes and his kidnapping, if you will. The walls of Jerusalem during the time of captivity had been torn down. Jerusalem had been destroyed. The gates had been burned down with fire. And when Nehemiah, who worked with the king, had heard the news of Jerusalem, his beloved Jerusalem, the city of God, the place where God dwells, when He had heard the news of what had taken place there. He was broken hearted. He was weak in the knees. He was broken down. He he couldn't hardly function. His face, the the countenance was, was distraught. And he was in distress. He carried around that while he had a good position... He was cupbearer to the king. He had a great position of honor, and he had all kinds of things going on. He was chairman of the board. He was blessed. He was favored on every turn. He wasn't a happy camper because inside his heart, he belonged to Jerusalem. He belonged to the city of God. He belonged to the dwelling place of God. And that's the way it is with us. Things may be going okay for you, or maybe things are going pretty good, and you're favored, and you've got position, and you've got respect, and you've got all those things going on in your life. But yet, as a Christian, we look and we hear of the torments happening overseas, or we hear about the the tortures, and the kidnappings, and the beheadings, and the things that are happening in the Christian world, and surely our heart breaks within us. Surely when we see the addictions and the way that people are falling into the deceptions of all kinds of substance abuse, we see this stuff, It surely it breaks our heart. Especially when we see it touch the church as it has. The news knocked him down. He was weeping. He was broken hearted. But Nehemiah did what we must do and he turned to the God of heaven. Whenever you don't understand something, whenever you got a question about something, turn to the heart of God. Turn in your anguish to the Almighty God who created the heavens and earth. He looked to the God who keeps covenant to a thousand generations and mercy to all those who love and obey Him. When you don't know what to do, turn to God. The thing I've learned to do in my life is when I'm confused and when I'm battling and when I'm struggling, and I don't necessarily need to talk to anybody. I don't necessarily need somebody to call me on the phone. I, I, I love it when God lays somebody on, my, on the heart and, and they come and they minister a word to you in season. Praise God for that but I'll tell you, I have learned something valuable in my own life that you need to learn, and that's that when there is nobody on the left side or the right, when there's nobody behind me or in front of me, when I don't have anyone to turn to, I had, have learned to turn to the Lord. I can get alone in my prayer closet, and I can get five minutes in the presence of God, and everything begins to melt away. Why do you think we sing the songs we do? Surely you have discovered the relationship of working with the Lord in your life. Surely you have found His presence to be so real. I learned it from a young age, and I've learned to hunger and to thirst. Why do you think the Bible refers to the presence of God and seeking God and being diligent about that? Why do you think that it's all there in terms such as thirst and hunger? We have to have, sometimes we have to have a drink. Like right now. Sometimes we we have I mean we have to have food. Not sometimes, we need it. We have to have these things, they're sustenance for life. And when we understand those things, we gotta see the parallel of the word of God that's telling us that we need the presence of God, we need the power of God in our lives. Like we need food and drink. We need it. You can't go without it. I'm amazed. At the people that will talk to me at times and they'll say, well, you know, I've really looked down on my prayer life. Well, how are, how are you doing with that? Are you getting better? Well, I, to be honest with you, Pastor, I ain't picked up my Bible in three months. Oh, I, I ain't prayed in two weeks. Well, it's no wonder you find yourself famished spiritually. It's no wonder you find yourself in, in, in confusion It's no wonder you find yourself not knowing what to do or thinking thoughts you never thought before, wanting to do things you never thought you'd want to do. I'm telling you, when you starve the spirit man, the flesh man gets fat. When you starve the spirit man, the flesh man gets fat. Somebody looking good to you didn't look good to you last week when you were filled with the Spirit of God. That activity, that event, it's a little more attractive this week on an empty soul, an empty spirit. A little more attractive than it was last week when I was filled with praise. I was filled with the glory of God and, and felt the power of God in me and it was strengthening me to live and to walk and to make right choices and to sleep with peace. Then I get empty and I'm wondering why I'm suddenly so attracted to the world. Confused don't know what to do dear lord help us the mistake that we make a lot of times when we read the story about nehemiah was that nehemiah was only about building buildings that he was he wanted to fix the wall and he wanted to rebuild the city and, and he wanted to bring the walls back up and that it was all about that it wasn't about that at all he saw the anguish he saw the distress in the people he saw the hurt in the people and as a pastor let me tell you i see it every day I'm constantly seeing the distress of the current uh, society and the culture that we live in. I'm seeing it all the time. I see the heaviness, the weight, the burden that's on children of God. You don't see it. Maybe you have protected, and maybe you live in a little, a little like box or a cave in your life, and you don't really see any problems. Let me tell you, open up your eyes and look around. We are living in a culture that is despairing. We're living in a culture that is dying. We're living in a culture that is lost. I mean, they don't know where to turn. I mean, you've got to be on alert right now, even as a child of God, because the enemy, his tactics are to get you in this weak, compromising position so that you will compromise your faith, so you'll walk away from your stand and from the conviction that you've always carried in your heart. He's looking to, he doesn't need to kill you. He doesn't need to destroy you. He, the things he puts in your life will do it just fine. He knows you'll destroy yourself devil's not out to kill you today. He's not. He would much rather disable you so that you look terrible to the world. He'd much rather just disable you. He'd much rather just compromise you, cause you to get weak so that when you stand, people laugh at you. I'm telling you we've got to be so on alert seeking the presence of God. The power of God in our lives. I've said this before and I've read it before. Uh, quotes that people have made. You can live your whole life doing right and in 60 seconds lose it all. Every day is the first day to the rest of your life. you got to make a fresh decision every single day that you are going to get up as So many did in the Word of God. Early, David said, will I seek the Lord? We've got to get up, and just like we take a hold of our breakfast, and just like we drink our orange juice, just like we take care of this physical body, we have got to make sure we are taking care of the spirit man. When you take care of the spirit man, the spirit will be there taking care of you long after you're going down in your physical body. I prayed with Brother Watkins yesterday on the phone, and he was so weak he couldn't even speak hardly any words. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we began to pray. And as I prayed with him on the phone, and the Spirit of the Lord began to pray through me, I heard him. Hallelujah, glory to God. And the next thing you know, he is praying in the spirit. And I felt the strength through that phone line. And man, the power of the Lord was there. You take care of your soul, and your soul will take care of you. It's the truth. He was crying and praising God. And long after I said in Jesus' name, amen, he was hallelujah. I felt the strength coming through that phone, the power of the Lord there in a great way to minister. Let me tell you, it was the answer for the children of Israel back then. It was the answer for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was the answer for Paul and Silas in the dungeon. And it's the answer in 2016 for you and I, Jesus Christ, getting alone, getting in the praise, and getting in the worship of him. And I'm telling you, it's going to take you all the way across your finish line. God's got a prize waiting for each one of us if we'll hold on and not be distracted or deceived. Nehemiah looked at the people. They had been in captivity. They had been in Babylonian slavery. And here thou now they were set free. They had A bunch had already come back with Ezra trying to build the temple, and they had come back, and there was just devastation everywhere all around them. This, I thought this was a Christian country. I thought we were in God we trust. I thought we were founded on Christian temple uh, te- principles. I thought we were a Christian nation. And yet all we saw after the devastation of Babylonian captivity was devastation. The temples had been robbed. The altars had been stripped. The churches, the churches have been robbed. I'm talking about today. Just like then, we can hold a mirror up to what's happening today. I thank God for the way the Spirit moves in our church. I thank God that we're a Spirit-filled church. I thank the Lord that we follow the leading of the Lord and God is alive in this sanctuary. I'm so thankful. I, I, I won't call their names out, but some folks that have become part of our congregation here over the last uh, month or two ha- shared with me how they came looking for a church, and they had, they had marked out three churches that they were going to go to and visit, and they were going to give each one two weeks, and it just so happened that they, they chose Stratford Heights for their first church, and on the first Sunday they walked out of the car, and they, said, and they came from a, a nominal background, a church not like ours at all, as a matter of fact, it was, it was a, more like an orthodox church, and they weren't used to what we had at all. They didn't understand a lot of things, and there's been a lot of questions over the last couple of weeks, but what I love was they, the story goes that they were walking out to the car, and both of them, after the service, looked at one another and said, we don't need to go anywhere else. Let's not go. Any, let's not worry about those other churches. And when I asked them what that was about, and they were telling me what it was about, they said... Oh, you can walk in and immediately you can sense and you can feel God in the house. You feel the presence and the power of God. And that right there was enough because the world is not looking for more programs and shows and more, pride, more things like that. They're not looking for more activities and events. They're looking for the presence of the Lord. And if we'll hold on to that, embrace that with all we've got, with every song, with every message, with every class, And with every ministry, if we'll hold on to that truth right there, the presence of the Lord, that's what makes this church great. That's what will take this church through. That's what will hold us when everything else crumbles all around us. Nehemiah looked at it, and his heart was grieved, and he was weak. And he looked, and he said, oh, they've been set free, but what have they been set free to? The temples have been robbed. The cities have been torn down. They've been destroyed. And he said, I will arise. I'll go to the king. I'll do what I can do. I'm going to go back and rebuild. I'm going to do what I can do. He decided to leave his position of purpose and power. He decided to leave his favor and go back to his homeland, back to the city of God, back to the presence of God. I'm telling you, I know, I know there are rich places out there. I know there's bigger programs and thousands of people and I know they've got all kinds of programmings and I know that there's a lot of that today but, and, I, and I love all that and I, I, I'm all about it. I want to be, I get there. I want to get to the place where we've just got programs second to nothing. But listen to me. The one thing I will not compromise is that we are a spirit-filled church in pursuit of the presence of God. We will not deny that. I won't shut up. I won't be silent. I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to compromise it down. I'm not going to preach to fill the pew. I'm going to absolutely preach the truth of God's holy word. And he said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Hallelujah. And you shall be witnesses unto me. I'd rather be a witness to the power of God than to have a program everybody wants. I want our priority to, priorities to be right. Thank God for the programs. Somebody say amen. Thank God for the programs. But we'll not sacrifice it for the presence of holy God. Parallels. The mirror is today. While this scripture is prophetic and it's talking about a literal Jerusalem that was literally destroyed, it's also symbolically talking about the church. And that's where we are today. I see it everywhere. People are so desperate. The city of Middletown is it, it, it's unsafe. There's places you can't go. We're number two or number one in crime in Ohio. Forget what the actual, number is we're one of the two top ones Hamilton hello is right next door they're in either number one or number two here we are in the worst sections areas for crime in all of Ohio here we sit in a city that's been named one of the biggest dying cities in the state of Ohio, here we sit right in the middle of all this, and God called us to be a church in 1915, and 100 years later, here we still are thriving and surviving in the midst of all that death and all that distraction and all that deception. Here we are still thriving. I believe it's because... God knows where people need him the most. And he will always call a remnant. He'll always call a people to come up out of the rubble and out of the trouble of what's all around them because he has a message. The message is his son, Jesus Christ, the cross and the crucified Savior who gave his life for every one of us that we can be free and we can be redeemed. That right there is enough. That's all this city needs. That's all this city needs, but I see the people who are desperate, people who are tempted, people who are addicted. I'm so blown away by how heroin and and crack cocaine and how all the drug abuse and uh, pill abuse, uh, prescription medicine abuse, and all the things that are happening right now. Please be careful. Please be careful. Don't take a Tylenol or ibuprofen if you don't need it. Devil can't get you to go down the street corner and buy you a pack of, package of weed. He ain't going to get you to buy no heroin, but he will get you to go to the doctor for that pain right here. Come on. Get a grip. Stand up. Go to therapy. Pray. That's novel. Ask God to help you before you get stuck on something you can't get free from. I understand we need it at times. Don't get me wrong. After my surgery, I needed something or I was going to run out of there screaming. I understand, the Bible says, a little for the stomach's sake. It's part of Scripture. We understand that for sickness. But we need to understand that these are desperate times. And the enemy is pulling out of his toolbox everything he possibly can to get you addicted, chained up, and to get you distracted, deceived, and destroyed. He wants to do everything in his power to disable you so you will be a false witness to the community. It's not only happening in the world. You've heard if you were on Facebook at all, you know, I happened to be at a restaurant uh, the week of Christmas and put my wallet down right there in front of me on the table as I turned to say goodbye to the person I was having lunch with. And I greeted him and hugged him and sent him off on a trip to Florida and was excited to meet with him and turned back around and signed my receipt and walked away, and my wallet was gone. Someone stole my wallet and all my Christmas money, and and, and I don't know who you are, but somebody felt led, and and they sent an offering last week and and gave me some of that money back. I sure appreciate that. That's awesome. You didn't need to do that. Since I don't know who you are, I can't give it back to you. But I appreciated that. It wasn't necessary because I learned a valuable lesson of forgiveness. A valuable lesson of forgiveness in that process. But what it showed me was I mean, I hadn't even turned my back and I thought, who does that? Who does that? And my first thoughts were criminal, vigilante, terrorist. Who would do that? Anarchist. Need to go to jail for life. Maybe capital punishment, I'm not sure. (laughs) Probably the meanest, rottenest people in the world, probably. Then I found out who, well, I knew who it was by the time we left. And when I got out of there, that's what made the difference for me because what I saw was just a desperate mom the week of Christmas. And she saw something that would help alleviate and meet her need it's anybody who gets into that position that state of desperation and it's all around us people need the lord people need the lord they're thirsting and they're hungering after an answer and the problem is we're we're seeing problems we're seeing distress not only in the world but we're seeing it in the church we see it in the church I see fighting as fighting to survive sometimes. I'm blown away as a pastor in the circles that I deal with of the immorality that is now acceptable and the the lifestyles that people are are fussing over, debating over now. It's taking all of our attention away from the loss because half the church world is now trying to be a part of all that. Invite me to the party. I want to party hearty. I, I want to be a part of all that. Well, it ain't bad. It ain't wrong. They go searching through scriptures to try to see just how close to the world they can be and still be saved. Well, see, it doesn't say nothing about no marijuana. There ain't a no marijuana scripture in here. It must be okay. You know, there's some things like burnt toast. It just makes sense. You know, you don't eat burnt toast. It ain't in the Bible. Don't go look. But some things just make sense. When you got something that impairs you, makes you dangerous, and it's something in the tool of the hands of the enemy to destroy families and to rip and roar through marriages and to tear down people in their job situation. It ought not to be up for discussion and debate in the house of God. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is, while we're all sitting around debating, while we're all sitting around struggling and, and trying to have big discussions and actually getting mad, people getting mad at one another and having fusses and fights and all kinds of arguments over all these worldly things that ought not to be a discussion in the first place, Charles Ingalls would turn over in his grave. Little house on the prairie, that was, yeah. While we're hold, you know, struggling with all that, fighting with all that, confusion in the order of the day, the world is running to our recovery programs to try and get free from the very things we're fighting over to get to do. I'm going to say that again because I think I, we need to hear that. Because that's an ouch. That's an ouch. The world is calling us. If you come in here on, on a Monday evening you're liable to find a bunch of folks who don't attend our church. But they come because we're offering a recovery program because they have had it with their substance abuse. They've had it with all the hurts and the hang-ups that they've gotten themselves involved in. They, are, they don't want to spend the money anymore. They don't want to hang out with that crowd anymore. They don't want to go to those places anymore. They don't want it to affect their children and their wives and their husbands anymore. They want to get free. So they're running to the church saying, can I join your recovery program? Well, hold on, brother. We, we are, we're having a discussion on whether or not we can include all that in our new theology. Now, I'm going to get run out for that one, I'm sure. I'll keep this, keep the door close, open, and I may need to run. Maybe you go get my car started so I can run and jump in. I see a bunch of us trying to hang on to some sacred standards of holy living. Conviction, old paths that lead to altars of repentance. Repentance. Where's the conviction? Conviction. I'm telling you we're in distress. Confusion is the order of the day. My question is who are the survivors? And I'm going to try to end with this right here. Um, I'm not even halfway through. Who are the survivors? Who are the remnants? Who are the people of God that are searching and seeking? His presence in such a way that you will not be denied. We're not alone. You're not alone. Don't go off thinking you're the only one who's serving God and everybody else hasn't got it together. Don't think that. God always has a people. All throughout Scripture, He's always had a people. When in the most evil of times, there was always somebody somewhere who opened up their windows and they were praying out to, to, the, to Israel or to, towards Jerusalem. There was always somebody praying, always somebody being called up. God would always call up a prophet. God will always call somebody up. The question is, are you one of the survivors? Are you one of those that God can call? Are you one of those that God will seek out Are you one that's just going with the flow? Are you one that's just going to go with the new theologies and the new philosophies, and you're going to do whatever? You know, the Bible says in the last days, they will heap to themselves teachers. Teachers of the word. Churches. Philosophies. Teachers. Having itching ears. Ooh, tell me what I want to hear. Scratch my itch. Tell me what these ears want to hear. I want you to tell me how I can do anything and still go to heaven. Tell me how I don't have to worry about none of that religious anything. I don't have to pray, read my Bible. I don't have to, man, grace, grace, wonderful grace. They abused grace, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. God has given us unmerited favor. And there's so much abuse out there. We're in distress. Nehemiah saw it. I see it. But Nehemiah looked at them and he didn't have to give his credentials. He didn't have to tell him who he was. He didn't have to tell him he was from the king's court. He didn't have to tell him nothing. He just looked at him and he said, do you not see? Let's face the facts. The walls are torn down. The gates are burned with fire. And the people of God are in great distress. That was all he needed to say. The people of God saw it. They recognized it. They they shook themselves and they said, "You know what? We're right. It's time to stop debating all these religious things. It's time to stop debating all these things that we disagree on and we don't we don't come in unity on. It's time to quit looking for all the reasons why we're all so different and start looking for all the things that bring us together, the things that bind us together in a unity. Do you know what the why the enemy wants all of us to?" Fight and debate and struggle over all of our theologies. You know why everybody's you know, talking about different things, immoral, immoral things, and why they're trying to include it and throw it in and throw this out and bring the. You know why all that's happening? Because the enemy knows if he can just get us divided, a house divided against itself will never stand. He knows what unity will do. He goes back to Genesis chapter 11 and he looks at the men and the women who were building the Tower of Babel. He looked down and he looked and heard the discussion that was happening right there. And God said in that chapter 11, he said, look, look and see what they're doing. Because this people is one now, everything that they have put their mind to do, nothing will be withheld from them. They were actually disobeying. And yet the power of unity, I'm telling you, there is a supernatural law of gravity, if you will, that literally works in unity. It brings victory and success to whatever you put your mind to. So the enemy is working hard to make sure you sit on that side, you sit on that side, and you don't talk to that one, and you don't talk to that one, and you don't agree with this one, and we don't ever come into a congruency in our faith. He wants a church. He don't care how big you are as long as you're not on the same page. That I'm here to tell you that unity is what we're going to strive for this year because... The Bible is clear to point out they were gathered together in one mind and one accord at the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Ghost fell in their midst. That power is what I want to see uh, as as our leader as we move into 2016. We've got a lot to do. We're like Nehemiah, man. We're looking at some walls that are going up. We're looking at some walls that need to be rebuilt over here at Clayton Street. We're looking at all these things. Let me just tell you straight up, we're not trying to build no monuments. We're not trying to build no museum. I'm not interested in a monument that leads to a museum that represents nothing but the past. I'm here to tell you we're all about rebuilding and building the walls that'll build the kingdom. Nehemiah wasn't concerned about the walls. He was concerned about the people. I'm not concerned about the walls either. I'm not concerned about any part of that. I am concerned with the ministry that will go on out there and the ministry that will go on the street down here. I want God to be honored in this city, and I can't wait. I don't want to see an article in the newspaper on the front page about Stratford Heights Church of God. What I want is I want them to see of ministry, a soup kitchen. I want them to see a powerful work of ministry happening to the homeless and the hurting. I want them to show somebody homeless on the front row, of the, on the front page of that paper, literally with some nameless person standing behind handing them a cup of soup. That's what I want. I want the ministry to be about people. I want the walls to be about people. I want the buildings to be about people. I want the power of God back in the temple. I want the glory of the Lord to rise in our hearts and minds as we go about his business. Would you stand with me or I'll never shut up? I have prayed this through for Stratford Heights. We're not the only church. We're not the only ministries. We're not the only ones, but I will tell you this, and hear me. God has called us, and God's hand is on us. Say what you will. Say what you want to say, but listen, people are being saved. People are being restored. Marriages are being put back together. The power and the presence of God is here. I'm telling you, God's good hand is on this church. We're not the only church, but we're his church, and God wants to do a mighty and a good work in us this year. And I need you. I need you to, I need you to be sober and alert. Mm. I need you to be sober and alert. The Bible says, be sober and alert, for your adversary, the devil, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking, he wants to get you dis- disabled, he wants to get you divided. He wants to get you distracted. He wants to get you off track. He wants you to just walk in one Sunday and just absolutely, you don't even like Liz Anberg and you don't know why. I just don't like her. I don't like her smile. I like the way she welcomes me. Every time she says welcome, I just want to hit her. Not really. <laughs> the devil just he wants to mess you up. I walk down an aisle, look at you sideways, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, you're like, man, I can't stand him. God wants you to, well, what did he say? Wasn't he preaching some, what did he said? I'm, I'm out of here. The devil wants to disable us. He wants to knock us down. He wants to destroy the good work of God, the good hand of God. And we've got to be determined. We've got to be sober and alert. Romans talks about it, it says, for we are not ignorant. How many are not ignorant here today? See, I like confidence, come on. We're not ignorant. That scripture says, for we are not ignorant to his devices. His toolbox is full. It's time for Christians to get out of the devil's toolbox. Quit playing with his tools. That's another whole message. I am going to preach it. It's time for Christians to get out of the devil's toolbox and quit playing with his tools. If it kills Steals and destroys, you and I ought not touch it. You got a scripture for that, Pastor? Shun the very appearance of evil. If it even looks evil, if it even looks like it might be evil, run. Run! I'll tell you what—I I don't want to go back to the days when we had to check your the hemline of your skirt, ladies. I'm not interested in no. I like you much better with a little rouge on you. You look better with a little makeup. <laughs> if you don't know us very well, we were a holiness church with rules and regulations. Women weren't allowed to cut their hair. They weren't allowed to wear pants. weren't allowed to wear jewelry. weren't allowed to wear makeup. Bless God. And you had to wear a hair bun, and the bun had to, the levels that you had were told how many years you'd been saved. <laughs> they sang up in this choir, and I remember that one of the nights, one of our former pastors, who shall remain nameless, Brother Sergeant, said, he said, as long as I'm pastor, there'll not be a lady singing in that choir that's got jewelry on. Bam, and everybody was like, Woo! I think somebody shouted. We would come out of all that. I don't want to go back into that. But I do want us to remember, I do want us to remember that the Bible says, pursue holiness and peace with which which no one will see God without. The Bible does talk about a broad road that leads to destruction and a narrow path. That leads to righteousness. And that holiness and righteousness comes from the Lord. I don't want to go back to the days when holiness was an outward appearance. I want to go back to the days, though, where the old past taught us that there was an inward holiness. An inward holiness. This is what this city needs. This is what the distress needs. This is what this culture needs. This is what the church needs we'll see the kind of revival we want this year. We'll see the power of God displayed. I'm not going to worry about the money. Nehemiah didn't worry about the money. I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those pastors. you got the wrong guy. I am not going to lay awake and worry myself about that million-dollar facility out there. You are going to help me. You and I are going to crack open our piggy banks, and we're going to make sure that happens. I'm going to pray until God supplies the need. I'm going to continue to seek him until he provides. And while we're doing that, as crazy as it sounds, we've got some rebuilding to do over here on Clayton Street. We're going to do that too, and I'm not going to worry about it. God's going to take care of his work and his situation. But but understand this. Who does God use? I said, who does God use? Us. He uses you and me. Some of you have come in here today. And God's trying to use you. God wants to use your life. He wants to change your life. You've seen the hypocrisy, and you've seen the struggles and the debates, and you're tired of all that, but you like what you hear today because you're like, you know what? I can buy into this. It's real. And that's what we want, a real gospel that really changes our lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed just this morning, if you would, Take just a moment. If you're here today, you need Christ. You need to start the journey that makes you part of the family. You've never accepted Jesus into your life. You are not this morning. You are not a practicing Christian. You have no relationship with Christ, but you're here today, and you need him. And You know you do, because the conviction of the Holy Spirit is here, and the Lord is knocking on your heart's door. And you feel and sense you need to make a change. If you're here today, and you would be willing to pray a prayer with me right now before we go any further. Right there at your seat, standing there, we're going to go to the Lord. If you're ready to receive him this morning, I'd ask you to just slip your hand up and write back down. Is there anyone at all here today? Pastor, I need to accept Jesus in my life. I'm just trusting. I'm not going to worry about it. The Holy Spirit's either here doing that in your life or he's not. You're already saved, or you've just not come to a place where you're ready to receive Him. Are you here? I'm going to wait 10 more seconds. I need to pray this morning, Pastor. I don't want to leave without Christ in my life. All right. I'm going to trust that you're making the decision that's right for you this morning. But now I'm going to pray for us, church. I'm challenging us to rise up and build. When Nehemiah approached the people, told him to face the facts, look at the distress, look at what needs to happen. He said, I'm here with a plan on purpose to rebuild. And that's where we're at, that's where I'm at. I am not going to sit on a pew till Jesus comes. Just us four no more, just doing what we can do to get by till I hear the trumpet. I plan to be working with my sleeves rolled up. I planned for God to use us to the best of our ability. And I want to know who else is a survivor, a thriver, from the bondage of this world that's going to be a remnant of God's people to stand up and build in this last hour. If you're here, I want to see your hand. I want you to commit. I'm here. I'm going to commit to the work of God. Hallelujah. Would you reach over if you feel comfortable and just take the hand of somebody standing beside you? And I want you to look at them and you. I want you to tell them I'm in agreement with you. We're in unity together. I'm telling you, what's going to happen after this prayer right here can't be counted. What's going to happen right here, I believe the power, I believe a spirit of unity is going to hit this church. and I can't wait to see what God's going to do with it. I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the changes. I'm excited about what's going to happen, what's going to take place. I can't wait until we see all that God's going to do. You may be coming from an angle of being hurt. You may have come from a wilderness experience. You may have come through a trial, and you are standing there wondering, like Elijah did, am I the only one? Let me tell you, God told Elijah, he said, I got 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. God's always going to have a people. The question is, are we his people? I for one am, and I know that you are too. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you, I pray several things over our congregation. I pray unity. I pray, God, that you would bind us together in a spirit of unity, that the power of the Lord would be present in us in a miraculous way like it has been all throughout the word of God whenever people got together. I pray for a spirit of unity, the Holy Spirit to bind us together in a beautiful bond that can't be broken. I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, touch us to see clearly, to be sober and alert, to be alert and and aware of the tactics of the enemy that would try to come and and disable us, try to weaken us, cause us to compromise. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, you would touch us together that we'll do great and mighty things together for your kingdom as we are absolutely decided. We are determined that we are going to go 100 miles per hour in God's direction, in your direction, Father. Touch us by your Holy Spirit. We're all in, and we thank you for that. I pray that you will bless and touch the effort and the work of your people and your church. Touch us together in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let us sense and feel from this moment forward a surge of the Holy Spirit in fire and power and wind and earthquake, Lord, that we will make a difference in this community. Touch us to make a difference for the hurting, the lost, the dying, the addicted. Help us, God, to be ones that aren't fighting to join them, but we're fighting, God, for their recovery and for their deliverance. Let us be that people. We will be your remnant. We will be your people this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone together said, Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.
1: As you go today, we do want to remind you one more time about the uh, communion uh, time tonight. Come in with your family anytime between 6 and 8 o'clock. There'll probably be a high volume at 6 o'clock, so if you want to late a little bit, that's fine. But from 6 to 8, we'll be here, and it is just a wonderful time. We invite you, and we want to bless and be a part of your family and part of this next year. God bless you all. We will see you later on today.
6: watching the worship service from the Stratford Heights Church of God. On behalf of Pastor Ray, we thank you for spending your time with us. Stratford Heights is always available to hear from you. For more information, visit us online at shcog.com. If you would like to pay your tithes or gifts, you can also do that online as well at shcog.com. This broadcast is made possible for people just like you, who come together to worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whenever you're in the southwestern Ohio area, we would love to have you join us for service. Our Sunday service schedule is at 8.30 and 10.40 a.m. and at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. On Monday, it's Celebrate Recovery. Tuesday, the Oasis Youth Group. Wednesday night, it's the Family Life Night. And Thursday, the Esperanza Hispanic Worship Service. Please join us at the Stratford Heights Church of God in Middletown, Ohio.